Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea, and I'm joined today by a special co-host, MK Fleming, the beloved heart rate coach from Train Like a Mother Club. Welcome back, MK. Oh, thank you. It's so good to be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you are the co-host today, not only because you're a wonderful person, but also because of our guests who will not announce later, but it, well, I'll, I'll spoil it now. It's um, Ellie, our uh, Ellie Kempton, the genius nutritionist in the Train Like a Mother Club. And it was your idea. This topic was your all's idea. So I thought, well, perfect. Let's have MK be the host. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, so, so let's get back to you though. How is the pregnancy going woman? I feel like a manatee. I really, I'm disgusting. I'm the biggest I've ever been. Oh no, it's pretty bad. I got big moon face. I've got everything puffiness. I've got, you can't see my, the veins in my hands or my feet or even my ankles. It's kind of amazing. Um, You know, there's, there's someone took a picture of me in uh, Philadelphia and I'm holding up a sign when I was, when I was, we were cheering on the runners and that's the first photo that almost kind of looked normal of me in the past six months. And I'm, I'm holding on to that photo for dear life. <laughs> oh my goodness. And because, because your, your baby finish line is not, not real near. It is no. almost three months away still. Yep. I got 10 weeks and five days to go. But who's counting? Yeah. And I'm bigger now than I was at the last time I gave birth. Wow. And, yeah. and what does your uh, medical provider like chalk this up to? Well, it's the diclegis. I took an anti-nausea drug because this is this pregnancy has just been the one to make sure that I know that I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. We're not doing this again. Not willingly anyway. If we have another child, it will not enter this earth through my body. Um, but the, I was I was flat on my um, on my back and my sides in my my bathroom pretty much 24 seven for the first two months of the pregnancy. Um, and diclegis was supposed to help, but all it did was make me sleep and gain a whole lot of weight. So. Oh. Once I was like, um, that SI joint injury I had a while ago, it's presenting again. They were like, get off the drug. Mm-hmm. And the crazy weight gain stopped, but I, it had already been, um, I gained they're almost 30 pounds in three weeks. Oh my it's goodness. Just, it's just too much. So my, my, I'm a smaller frame anyway, and my, yeah. my structure couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. So I've been on unofficial bed rest ever since. They're like, we're worried about stretching out the tendons and ligaments in your feet. We're worried about the integrity of your SI joint. We just need you to stay um, horizontal as much as possible for the rest of this pregnancy. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding. So my only, my sole source of activity is Pilates and going to the bathroom. <laughs> Which is usually not uh, in the exercise column. Uh. It is the way I do it these days, but it's like, go, go. Oh my God. There's nothing in there that was not worth the run. <clears throat> Oh my gosh. Yeah. And bed rest with three children. Not, not great, I assume. Well, you know, it wasn't initially, but kind of, I'm chalking this up to just the magic of, you know, the holiday season. We start, my son has autism and he's four years old. And we recently started uh, a new type of therapy for him that's fairly intensive. I've been putting this off for a while because it was going to be so disruptive to his schedule and mine both. But Oh my God, it's only been three weeks and I've got a different kid. He loves to snuggle. He begs for cuddles. He never used to do that. He looked me in the eye and be like, mommy, I love you. Will you snuggle with me? I'm like, yes, I will, RJ, come here. Uh And so now we just spend a lot of time in my bed, snuggled and watching movies. The other two kids can't be left out of that. So my bed is really disgusting because of like all the time (laughs) we're spending in there, but I could care less. I'm getting cuddles. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That kind of reminds me when I had my, when I was recovering from my fractured ankle and my son was very good about spending a lot of time with me when I was laid up on the bed. So, um, yeah, I think, I think it's important to look at the positives of that, you know, because there is going to come a time when they want nothing to do with you. So, you know, take it, take it when you can get it. Oh, and I am loving it too. From ha- from four years of totally being ignored by my yeah, son to I imagine. now like wanting nonstop cuddles and being in a position where I can do nothing but accept them. <laughs> it's been pretty great. <laughs> so if you had asked me four weeks ago, I would have been like, you know, this kind of sucks. But like ever since he started this new round of OT with the listening therapy, it's just like, bring it on. I can, I can handle this pregnancy for another like well, maybe not for another 10 months, but I can handle it for a cut. If, if we go over my due date, I think I'll be okay as long as I'm getting weeks, yeah, 10 weeks. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, well, well, I am, I'm not horizontal. I am, I'm headed to Austin 
Texas, uh, and I'm very excited. Uh, you've, I, I take it being, uh, you have been to Austin, yes? Several times. Most of the members of my run club here in, in uh, Colorado, which is funny, we just have a lot of Texan transplants. Oh, oh. Um, and so every year it's like a pilgrimage. We go back to Austin oh. and I coach and cheer them through the Austin half and oh, full. Nice. There's always someone running it new for the first time. And everyone's like, we'll go with you. And it just becomes this huge pile on of like 20 people oh, wow. showing up in Austin. So it's, it's been a really great for the past three years. And I hate to miss it this year because it's actually on my due date. Exactly. I was about to say, because it's right around Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, um, have you ever been to Amy's ice cream when you've been there? Oh my gosh, they have, and I, 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 Demi likes to make fun of me for it. My favorite flavor is vanilla. A really, really good vanilla will be the best thing you've ever tried. And uh-huh. Amy's ice cream is known for their vanilla. Uh-huh. It's off the charts. It's so and good. They're, oh, it's their ice cream so good. And they do those smushins and it's just, it's so tasty. And it was so funny when, so I, for a while there, I was going to Austin a lot on business. Like I was going there for Aust, uh, for the Zuma, Texas race and, um, I guess, oh, um, I guess, it, oh yeah, this trade show has been there a couple of times. It's called the running event. And, um, I so I remember I was sitting in the parking lot of one Amy's that's in kind of the, not too far from the university. And I was thinking, oh no, this is my last day. And I was with the woman who used to be on our team and she goes, and I hadn't said it out loud, but she read my mind and she goes, oh, Sarah, don't worry. There's an Amy's at the airport. I turn, I'm like, yeah. how did you know? She goes, I can tell from the look on your face. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing yeah. well be sure you try out torchies too that's another um austin chain uh-huh. that funny enough has a few branches in denver as well and are they actually bought space in front of where my running group meets every saturday oh, morning nice and nothing could have made them happier they were like there are two things i really really miss about texas other than everything texan <laughs> um it's one is Amy's ice cream, which we still can't get here. And two is Torchy Tacos. Uh-huh. So she's like, I'm half fulfilled by having this every morning. So nice. you get yourself some torches while you're down there too. Okay, I will. I will. So I'm excited for that. And then I'm headed out to, to Denver for Team AMR meeting. So uh, yeah, so I'll be seeing you in person soon. So I'll be able to assess for myself your your manatee status. Um. <laughs> oh man, if you couldn't have assessed it from the photos that were posted of the Philly Bammer meetup uh-huh. where I'm sitting in a chair and I look like a troll. I mean, it's it's just funny because my it, it, this I'm getting this time last year memories on Facebook. Oh, oh no, oh no, oh no. From like five different sources uh-huh. and which normally make me really happy because they all show me my, my kids this time Sure, last of year. course, yeah. But instead it shows me like fit, running like a through the day I ran a 342 marathon and it's like this is like this was you a year ago I'm like oh, oh my god not the and I can't even sit up for very long oh my goodness oh my goodness <laughs> I know I'll be back and it's all temporary yep. it's just it's, it's a it's a yeah. big change yeah 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 well almost a year from now 11 months from now it's going to be the um fall uh, AMR retreat, which I've been very, very busily planning. And uh, we're going to open registration for that um, uh, on December 4th, which if you're listening to this podcast right when it comes out, it would be otherwise known as this Monday. Um, And uh, it's going to, I'm just so excited for all the details. It's going to be in Falmouth, Massachusetts, which is just such a lovely, charming town. It has cute stores. It has a real historic kind of, you know, very New Englandy vibe. Uh, we're going to have a clam bake. Uh, people are going to take part in the Cape Cod Half Marathon if they want to. So, and that's going to be the final weekend in October. So I'm just really, really excited for it. Yeah. I'm excited too. And I got to say, you've outdone yourself with oh, the planning on this. And sweet. I'm so, I've been excited with all the pictures you sent. Like, look what I found. And I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> it, it's totally terrific. I mean, oh, I'm, I, I know the, 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 the talents that I do not possess, party <laughs> planning and event planning is on that list. Oh, and uh, I got to say, like, i you were just doing, you were, you were doing an incredible job with oh. this. I'm really excited. I can't wait. Uh, to see what this is going to be like. Oh, well, thank you. Well, I spent I it, I spent a lot of time thinking about because it it's just fun, and um, I really just I have Dim and I had been at uh, in Falmouth a bunch of years ago when we did Zuma Cape Cod, and I stayed back at the resort where the um, 
where the race expo was, and she went into town to get lunch for us, uh, I guess two days in a row, and it was kind of a drive, and she comes back after the first day, she's like, it is such a cute town, and oh my gosh, I found the greatest lunch place, and so then the next day, I guess after the race was over, I got to go in with her, and I'm like, you are so right, so now even Daphne, my 12-year-old, is like, can I go to Falmouth with you? I'm like, okay, you can't come to the retreat, but, um, <laughs> so... All right. Well, I'd say it's time to move on to the bulk of the show. And as I said, this show is proposed by you, MK, and our guest, dear Ellie Kempton, the genius nutritionist in the Train Like a Mother Club. Ellie is a Denver-based holistic nutritionist. Her lovely website is called Simply Nourished Nutrition, and it has the reassuring tagline of growing simple habits for sustainable health. For the past year, Ellie has been leading five-week-long Simply Nourish Like a Mother programs in the Talam Club, and in 2018, she's also going to be doing Living Nourish programs, as well as leading seminars at our Ogden and Cape Cod retreats. Today, the three of us are going to talk balancing weight loss and performance goals. We'll kick off the conversation after this break. Please stay with us. Welcome back, Ellie. It is always, always a delight to talk with you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. You were on just about a year ago. Speaking of, you know, like pictures of memories from a year ago, it was, uh, we had you on right around Thanksgiving last year. So it's becoming an annual I tradition. I that. Yeah. We were prepping everyone for the holidays. Right. That was fun. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Ellie is actually pretty humble. So let us brag for you a little bit. Since the last time you were on this podcast, you ran your first half marathon, or rather you rocked and demolished <laughs> your first half marathon. Aww. Please tell us a little bit about that experience and tell us what's on your 2018 race calendar. <laughs> I have to say it was one of those experiences and I, you know, I've been an athlete my whole life, but it was one of those times where you have these pin pinch me moments where I was halfway through the race, like, no wonder these women are sipping from the Kool-Aid, right? Um, <laughs> I was, you know, I was kind of looking around me like, this is unreal. I had so much fun. Um, but more than anything, I think it was just kind of the focus that it gave my summer because I was mm. really looking out at something to train for. And and then it happened. And I, of course, the first thing you think is, what am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, re- I'm really excited. I very much am, like I said, sipping from the Kool-Aid now. Um, and I think my big thing is that I'm such a trail runner. I love, I love being out. Uh, I think that when I lived in Seattle, I kind of, uh, got bit by the the trail bug. So I think what I'm hoping to put on the calendar next is another run that's in trails. I love that. I think that race spoiled me, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. And uh, I, you know, I get, I like to brag on Ellie because I was training her (laughs) one-on-one for the duration of that, that cycle. Mm -hmm. And I I think you need to get settled into your brand new house. Ellie just bought her first home. Um, So once we get, once you get all moved in, settled there, uh, we can start talking about next steps. But as we're going to, as we're going to discuss, you can only be excellent in one area of your life at a time. (laughs) So let's get the house squared away and then we'll talk (laughs) so that you're not living like I am for you years from now, like still pulling things out of boxes. Uh, Yeah, it's it's definitely its own job, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so as I mentioned, you gal suggested this idea for the podcast. So talk about why you want to do it. Why do you think weight loss is is an important topic for mother runners? Um, I, well, for, I, I, this idea had been germinating for almost a year when these conversations would continually pop up in the, in the train like a mother Facebook groups. And the one thing I know for sure is that, I mean, other than Ellie is my soul sister on the inside, we're the same person, but (laughs) when it comes down to it, our presentation is incredibly different. I am uncontrollably fierce in all directions at once. And she's much more sensitive and gentle. (laughs) And understanding. And this is such a sensitive topic. We wanted to, I knew that this was, I I couldn't do this alone. And I'm so grateful for you to be here, Ellie. Um, So the question so many runners want to know, and the one that I'm terrified to touch, is it possible to lose weight in a training cycle? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's the question I get usually at the 
end of a consult. Because Lord knows I get women who come to me and we talk through, you know, of course, the fact that they're training and we want to support their nutrition for running. But then there's that always quiet, subtle question. And do you think I can also lose weight? And so I think I kind of constantly heard this and almost would start to ask women right at the beginning. Well, Mm -hmm. is entering into this training cycle is do you have this underlying almost secret goal that this training cycle will induce weight loss? Because I just want to lay it out on the line and I want to talk through it. And the answer is absolutely yes, but only under certain conditions, Mm -hmm. only if you are coming to me and you maybe haven't been running for a while and the increase in activity and all the metabolic implications that come from that increased activity will induce weight loss. But Lord knows, especially from the AMR crew, I don't get a lot of sedentary women. Yeah. The other reason that you might expect or almost assume to see some weight loss would be if you come to me and you really haven't focused on nutrition at all. And mm. the thought of training or pairing your training with a robust nutrition program uh, is new to you or foreign, that I would say you can expect to see some changes there. But again, I rarely work with women who haven't mm. at least thought about their nutrition, whether they feel confident about it or not is another topic, but they've at least invested in that because I, most of the AMR women are so invested in their wellness and very conscious about it. Mm -hmm. And so I have to be very realistic and, and lay it on the line. What are your goals? Are they performance goals or are they weight loss goals? Because the two are very different from one another. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so MK, do you think it's it's a reasonable aspiration to want to lose weight during a training cycle or do the two have to live kind of separately? Well, yes and no. We, it's, yes, it's reasonable because we want to have something tangible to show for all of our hard work and effort. That in and of itself is eminently reasonable. Demanding that that tangible reward be a smaller dress size or a reduced number on a scale, not so much. That tangible reward will be weeks and weeks of training behind you and possibly a finish line photo if the day goes well. Not necessarily a PR or a drastically reduced weight or both. And it's understandable to want to, quote unquote, look like a runner Mm -hmm. since you're doing all that running. But remember, you look like a runner lots of ways. Wet hair at work, wearing clothes, gym bag next to your desk, stash of goo taped to your Nalgene bottle at your desk, (laughs) any view of the interior of your car. All of that will scream, runner, right here, yo, during a training cycle. Waistlines, clothing sizes, that number on the scale, that finish time, none of it defines you as a person. And none of that says anything about you as a runner. And you have to remember that. Yeah. Well, and also something that I feel like is really big in terms of kind of um, the superficial implications of starting a training cycle is that we forget what's going on deep down inside, right? And so when I'm looking at someone who comes into me asking if they're going to see weight loss, one of the questions I don't get is, how will this impact my, my laps? Because when somebody comes to me and they've, they, they've maybe not, um, not seen many results on the weight loss or from a weight loss standpoint, I'm going to be super encouraging and super empowering from the standpoint that you're also teeing yourself up, whether you see it in weight or not on your lipids, on your glucose. And most importantly, um, in terms of just how, like I said, when my training cycle, how it impacts the rest of your day, you know, a runner, when you talk to a runner, because they've had their run and they are killing it in every other area of their life. And that's something that you just cannot replicate if you're just looking for weight loss. Yeah. 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 So, so MK, when you and I were talking the other day, you mentioned a favorite quote from the athlete formerly known as Bruce Jenner. So share it with us and, and why you love it. You can only be excellent in one area of your life at a time. The name of the game is to make sure you're not so focused on that one area that you become bad in other unrelated areas. Mm-hmm. Caitlin was an admittedly absentee husband and parent during um, her Olympic years. Mm-hmm. This same logic applies to bammers. Trying to lose weight and trying to train for performance demands excellence in two conflicting directions simultaneously. If you really want to break it down, think of it like a game of Pac-Man, right? And so it, <laughs> what, what it's, Pac-Man's, Pac-Man's going to get what it needs to get. Your body's going to get what it needs to get at any time. And most of the water and nutrients in your body 
the biggest storehouses of them are in your muscles. So if you are depriving your body of calories or of macronutrients or restricting them in a, in a big way while demanding that your body use calories and macronutrients through a training cycle, you're, you're just eating yourself into a hole like Pac-Man that you don't know you're going to be able to get out of until there's nothing left. Right. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think, I think that quote also apply, I think it applies to uh, on a micro, you know, nutrient and calorie way. And, but it also applies, you know, to what you were talking about with Ellie in the beginning, that if she's, you know, just moved into a new house and is focusing on unpacking those boxes, now it's not the time to then say, oh, I'm going to jump into a really intensive training cycle. And that's the key. What I'm afraid people are, are going to hear every time I say it, because no matter how I say it, that's what they do here. Oh, you don't think I can do it. You don't think I got what it takes. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's you. I'm saying it's the time. Is this really the time to abandon everything else and throw things in the performance basket or throw things in the weight loss basket? Or like it's if it's it's not it's never about the person. It's about all the exogenous things that we can't control during those really hectic times of, a, of the year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my um, I've quoted this before on the show, and um, because I quoted it once at Dimity a million years ago when she um got engaged, and I think was starting a job at the same time. And my dad, who's a very conservative, very safety conscious person, he always would say, um, you know, uh, don't make too many changes at once in your life. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Yeah, and so so he probably would have disapproved of me getting engaged for the first time right before my college graduation, um, <laughs> and then moving across the country. Uh, and now in hindsight, he was right because that marriage didn't last. Um, so, <laughs> so dad, you're right. Uh, but that, you know, it, it, because I think, uh, your body is working hard and your mind is, even if you kind of don't recognize that the, the burden that you're placing it on, that you're asking of your, your body and mind, you know, that you, you think you got, you think you can juggle it all. And it's like, yeah, no, in hindsight, maybe that wasn't the right thing to be doing. And I think my, my other big fear about this podcast and why it's taken me so long to even propose it was that I was afraid that what people were going to hear, well, MK says on her plans, you're not going to lose weight and you won't get faster. There's so you know, screw that. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not what we're saying. What we, what we're trying to convey is let's be cautious of the demands you're placing on yourself. Let's keep the expectations reasonable and rational. I want you to have what you want. Ellie wants you to have what you want. No one cares about your performance and your goals and whether or not you reach them more than we do. No one, not even your spouse. At best, your family's just going to care what kind of mood you're in when you come back from your run or when you come back from that race. We care. We're invested. So hear what we're saying, please, when we tell you, try. you can't have everything. You can't have everything. Let's just take one step at a time and not demand everything at once. Right, right. So that so so if I if I'm hearing you right, you ladies are suggesting you can either train for performance improvement or weight loss. So is is that is it an either or scenario? Either or. The body cannot multitask, even though we wish it could, because who doesn't love multitasking, right? right? Mm-hmm. But, I hate multitasking. I discourage my runners from it all the time. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, I think we all, and you know, especially if you are a multitasker, and I'm glad you discourage everyone multitasking because I need to be discouraged from multitasking. Um, but it's really, it that message runs deep into the metabolism of the body. You cannot starve fat and build muscle at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. You need to be focused and targeted on what you want the most during that time frame, and you will get what you want multiplied. And that's what's so neat to see is if I can get someone's focus, at least for that 20-week cycle on the nutrients and nutrient optimization to fuel their running, they're going to see a much better running performance and then just say, hang on tight because you're going to see body composition shift like you never imagined if that's what we're focusing on after your training cycle. Um, And it's almost something to look forward to, too, because there's so many hormonal implications that happen during a training cycle that's really almost unfair to the body to work against those. It it actually feels like you're swimming upstream if you're trying your hardest to do both at the same time. And um, the the four main hormone implications that I think are 
I think speak to most of the women I work with. Number one being that your cortisol set point increases. So every time you go out for a run, you're always secreting just a little bit more cortisol every time. Mm -hmm. And over the course of that 20 week cycle, your set point of how much cortisol you have circulating throughout your body is much higher. And with that higher cortisol comes a little bit higher blood sugar. And that's a big deal. That's a big deal because if you have a little bit more blood sugar circulating throughout your body to fuel your run, your body is preventing itself from wasting away, which is fantastic because who wants to waste away out on their run? But at the same time, that's that protective mechanism also prevents you from losing too much weight while you're in the middle of a training cycle. Can can I just also say at that point before you go on to the the three other hormonal changes that that's intriguing to me because you know you think oftentimes when you're out on a run you know a training run for a marathon or a half marathon you think oh I'm I'm teaching my body how to put up with the pounding and maybe making my muscles a little stronger and th- that you think that you can think oh well, that's all I'm teaching my body but hearing you talk mm-hmm. it reminds me there's so many other things that your body is adapting to and quote unquote learning while you're putting in your miles. And if I could just interject with one thing, I'll, I'll sit back for the, for the next three that Ellie's about to point out. But this was the first question that I asked when I, all 75 uh, practitioners, when I started looking for a nutritionist to work with, because I'm really old. I've been doing this a very long time. And all the coaches, though I know I'm really, I feel, I've been doing this for 30 years. I've been, I've been marathoning for 20. Um, and that, that is a long time. So when the, the nutritionist that I had always worked with or that had worked with my running teams in the past always emphasize blood sugar, blood sugar, cortisol, blood sugar, blood sugar, insulin, cortisol. Um, and that's so when I, the very first question is talk to me about the, the blood sugar, insulin, cortisol link. And if they can't answer that question, the conversation's over. Ellie was one of the only ones who could speak to it intelligently. And I was like, I knew this was going to work. <laughs> it was amazing. You basically just put me right back into the realm of intense biochemistry. And I explained this whole thing to MK and she goes, okay, we're done now. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, what just happened? Yes. It was just so epic. So anyway, I was actually really, I always get excited when somebody wants to know a little bit more about that. Cause it is that important. And like you said, Sarah, it's one of those things that you just don't recognize is happening because there's no way you could feel it. Mm-hmm. And going back to one of my previous comments, a lot of the both positive and negative things that happen over the course of a training cycle happen in your labs and you can't tell, but it, you know, eventually can manifest, manifest itself superficially, but something like this cortisol level, that's something you would really have to get tested. But I want you to know it's happening because that explains why your body is protecting you from wasting away. It's mm-hmm. pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to point out to people, you are saying the word labs, L-A-B-S. Um, LABS. Yeah, sometimes, exactly. uh, sometimes the first time you said, the thing I, I'm sitting yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> the first time you said, I thought, Oh, why'd she say laps? And then I'm like, no, she said labs. So yeah, so, so that there are, so that if you are tested that, um, we can detect these things, um, in your blood and then, you know, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing because I'll have some athletes come to me and they'll see that their fasting blood glucose is a little bit up. So instead of it being 80 last time they got in it, went and got their labs done, it's more like 90 or 100. And they're saying, what the heck? I'm training like crazy. Mm. And this is exactly why. But it's almost that aha and almost, I would say, comforting reassurance that there's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Your body is protecting you the way it's meant to protect you. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, All right. So, so take us through the other uh, three hormonal changes that occur when training. Yeah, there are three other really important ones. And I think um, number two, thyroid function uh, is, is one that I like to speak to. So when, when your body senses that there's chronic stress, and I hate to call running stress because I don't want to put a negative spin mm-hmm. on it by any stretch of the imagination, but to the body, it is a stressor. So when you're pounding the pavement day in and day out, the body is adapting to stress. Mm-hmm. And when the body is adapting to stress over the course of time, a, a longer period of time, the, the thyroid is compromised sometimes because it's trying to prevent you from over expending energy, right? Mm-hmm. So it slows down a little bit to make sure that you don't, again, waste away. Mm-hmm. So I typically notice in this alleviates itself immediately once the stressor is taken away. But when women come to me and their thyroid seems to be a little bit off during a training cycle, mm-hmm. 
First and foremost, there's very little you have to do drastically. Doesn't mean you need to go on thyroid medication. It doesn't mean you need to take drastic action, Mm -hmm. but the body is actually kind of to a primal level preventing you from overexpending energy, but also sometimes it's preventing you from being incredibly fertile during that time period because it's hard to obviously uh, produce if your body is under chronic stress. So that's typically what I see happen on a thyroid level. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing to freak out about. It's more or less just to acknowledge that the body is protecting you and decreasing you from overexerting your resources. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing, and this is going to explain a lot. I think there's going to be aha moments across the country when you hear this one. <laughs> but one other thing that I think is really important to understand is that when you are going through a day- training cycle, your sensitivity to a very special hormone called leptin decreases. And leptin is the hormone that tells you that you are full. Mm-hmm. Its counterpart, ghrelin, tells you you're hungry. So if your sensitivity to the hormone that tells you you're full decreases that allows you to consume more and not necessarily feel full Mm. all the way. So if you come back from a long run and you don't have lots of leptin circulating throughout your veins, you might eat and eat and eat and be like, how am I not full? I'm Mm. starving and I had X, Y, or Z. And that's really, again, your body's way of enabling you to refuel properly. And sometimes that decrease in leptin allows us to overconsume at times. Gotcha. I have to say, listening to you talk about all these things, I just, you know, want to shake my fist at our, our cave caveman ancestors, because, you know, <laughs> this all seems like remnants of the times when we had to run out and chase our food sources or walk great distances to find them. And that the body was like, okay, we got to figure out how not to starve while we're out there looking for food and, yeah. you know, living a hard life that didn't involve, you know, a minivan and heating and plumbing and a roof over our heads, you know, and, and, yeah. and you know, two hour delivery service. Well, exactly. And our bodies don't know that we're living in any different day and age. So, you know, superficially, we hate it, but our bodies are really only out to protect us. Like, (laughs) you know, rain or shine, that's all our bodies really care about is that we stay alive. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah. 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 So anyway, last but not least, and I think this is another one going back to the idea that the body can't multitask. It can't starve fat and build muscle at the same time is that when you are under chronic high levels of cortisol or stress, Mm -hmm. your production of testosterone decreases. And this goes a little bit back to the reproduction comment that I made, but the body doesn't want to be reproducing, i.e. you don't want to have a crazy strong libido when you are (laughs) under chronic stress. So when women come to me and they're like, what the heck is happening? I'm not maintaining muscle like I used to. Uh I have no sex drive. It's one of those things where I say, well, you know what? That might just come right back tenfold as soon as you're out of this training cycle. But the body is definitely protecting you from having multiple babies during a training cycle. It's also also protecting you. A baby can screw up a training cycle. (laughs) It's also also protecting you so you go to bed at 830 at night instead of staying up at the hubby after the kids go to sleep. (laughs) If you get what I'm saying there. So, <laughs> oh, true story. Yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that fourth one is really critical too, because when we think about "quote unquote" overtraining syndrome, it's always some combination of these four factors that we've been talking about. But the, but the most, the most obvious one, at least to me, is when I when I say what what gets you is your attitude when you don't really want to do anything and you're kind of tired. It's because your muscles have been literally consuming themselves. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so. Um, MK, I like that you don't just talk the talk about this topic, but you actually walk the walk or, um, the run. Um, so share your story from 2013 and 2015 when you chose to train for the New York city marathon rather than focusing on losing baby weight. Yeah, I had to be really, really careful during this time period. I knew I wanted a fourth child. That's we we always said we wanted a family of four, and that that desire never waned. Mm-hmm. My pre-baby race weight was around 128, and my PR is sub three. So just to give you some context, to I know I, we don't normally like talking numbers; it's all relative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easy to have to throw out a number and be like, "Well, I would love to weigh that or be that speed," but when it's not where you're used to being. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what other people think of it. So when I was 12 pounds over my old race weight, and again, I'm a small person, so that's a lot of yeah, weight for my body. Weight, so yeah. When I ran, 
Mm -hmm. When I ran Philly last November, I chose for 18 months to pursue marathons instead of my own body, even though a PR was statistically impossible during this time. It didn't make sense to me to do all that work for weight loss, only to toss it aside later on um, when I when I went and got pregnant. So I chose to focus on my old lifestyle and I, I could which doesn't necessarily mean performance. I wasn't I. I I, it was if it was going to be one or the other, I'm going to get back to the lifestyle and try really hard not to think about the excess weight. Mm-hmm. For me, it was about the training, not the, about the numbers on a clock or a scale. It's also why I'm not depressed and haven't lost my mind. Yep. I had to tell myself every <laughs> single day that I was winning at life and all I had to do was keep moving and I would get to where I wanted to be, even though I wasn't sure I completely believed it. Mm-hmm. It would have been easy to compare that day's run to any run I did in 2008 or 2012 and spiral into depression at how far away I was from those days, which were far from my best, but still so far. When my mediocre days were so far from today, it's, it's just, oh, you can really get crushed at the end of that. So instead of looking up, I looked at my shoes, focused on that day, that workout. Was it the best it could be? Was it what I needed? Mm-hmm. In contrast, I feel like most of our women sign up to train in order to lose the baby weight and struggle when they neither lose weight nor hit a finish time that makes them feel proud. Mm-hmm. And from what I gather, most of our ladies are most of our ladies are only happy with PRs. Comparison really is the thief of joy. This journey should not be about comparison. As long as you compare today to the best day ever, you're going to stay overwhelmed. It's not about demanding day-to-day changes since those rarely happen. Progress, real progress is rarely linear. Um, it's about asking, did I get what I need today? And saying, hell yeah, when you did. <laughs> that adds up so much faster than could I have done more today or whatever mechanism you use to pressure yourselves into going harder tomorrow. If you get what you need every day and feel good about what you've done, then the weight, the pace, and everything else will take care of itself over time. You haven't met pre-baby MK yet, but I promise you, you will. About four years from February the 6th, 2018, she will be back in full effect. And I know it's going to take about four years, but I'm going to keep running and moving forward anyway, because my best day ever is yet to come. Hmm. I'm not done. And neither are any of you listening. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, how, let, let's be, get, get even more real for a, a couple minutes. I mean, how... How much does that feel? How much do you have to remind yourself now that with this this fourth pregnancy being so different, that your weight gain has been substantially more? I mean, and you're not able to, you know, get get your daily sweat on. I mean, how hard is it to keep it all in perspective? You know, it's pretty hard, um, but I, I have to ask myself every day, what can I do? It's what I tell my injured mammers, the first question, don't leave that doctor's or that physical therapist office until they've told you what it is you can do on a day-to-day basis and do exactly that. For me, it's spending a few minutes a day, not very much, on a BOSU ball because <laughs> it's, it's hard to balance now the bigger I get. Um, but that's just to maintain some semblance of my, of my proprioceptive system. And the other is Pilates. I'm going to Pilates for an hour a day, five days a week. Wow. And that's something that never used to move the needle. Mm. And now I'll finish it and it'll be like a third of my activity for the day. Even my polar has given up on it. <laughs> it's like, yay, you did Pilates. <laughs> don't get back in bed. It's going to be a great day. <laughs> so I have to remind myself that did I do what I could? Yes, I did. I, may, I retained a little bit of muscular integrity and that's better than staying in this bed. Mm-hmm. Better than nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was no easier for me than it is for anyone else. I'll put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Um, I, I would do n- not Pilates like you say, but when I had the fractured ankle again, going back to something I can relate to being in bed Oof. a lot and not being able to move very much, but you know, I, I just got a routine going in, um, you know, this little room off of our bedroom and I would, you know, do push ups and, you know, whatever I could do in there to do a bunch of core work because that was stuff that didn't involve my ankle. And it was just, you know, having to, you know, and since then I've gone on to, you know, after that I've run two marathons. So, you know, you, you can always get back to what you're doing, um, hopefully. So, so lay it out for us, Ellie. Why is losing weight in the abbreviated words of Coach MK a BFD? BFD, I love that. Uh, It's a BFD because weight loss requires some very specific conditions that need to be met before something, before the needle will move. It's not, weight loss doesn't just happen by accident. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I make it very simple for anyone who comes to me and mutters under their breath, oh, and by the way, I think I'd like to lose weight. Mm -hmm. I'm like, cool, let's, let's lay out what this, what, 
is required to make this happen, but not just happen. The big deal for me is to happen sustainably, Mm -hmm. because if you can lose weight, that's one thing. Great. Awesome. There's so many programs out there that will induce weight loss, but man, do I see the weight come right back on Mm -hmm. and come back on with a vengeance because the hormonal cues, those four that we talked about above Mm -hmm. really just are not optimized. So you're going to still experience some of the lingering hunger, some of the lingering thyroid issues. So in order to induce really sustainable and beautiful weight loss, number one, the body has to be given consistent doses of vitamins, minerals, and macros. So that five-week program that we're running is really just building the consistency. Consistency, whether you're in a training cycle or consistency, whether you're out of a training cycle, the body needs to be reassured that you are not out on a desert island with no access to food, (laughs) right? It has to be reassured that you have easy access to food and food that it understands and food that it can use in a really sustainable way to build muscle and to optimize your wellness. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's number one. And that takes a while to build. It's not overnight. Um, But then the other thing is that the body can't be exposed to super high levels of stress all the time. Mm -hmm. So if somebody comes to me and their personal life, they're in the middle of a move, they're in the middle of a really tough relationship, maybe their kids have something going on, that's not the time to try to lose weight. It's not at all. In fact, the body's going to work even harder against you Mm. because, again, even if it's emotional stress, it doesn't have to just be physical stress. But if there's emotional stress, the body's like, great, I need to make sure that this person isn't going to die. Um, and so I need to make sure that levels of stress are at least managed both emotionally and physically, which is why, again, if you're coming to me for weight loss, I'm going to say, great, let's make sure we start this off as soon as you're resting. And then the third thing that I think is probably the, the, the most targeted sustainability factor is going to be that we need to give the body a very uh, kind of challenging jungle gym. So in terms of we want to give it a, a situation where it's very it's exposed to really fresh and vibrant foods, almost as though you're foraging. So going back to what you said, Sarah, I love that where you're like, man, why do we have to replicate how we used to live? Because that just isn't, you know, isn't realistic. But I try to bring the best portions of how we used to live into the modern world Uh without making you go crazy. So I build out a a plan that has you kind of eating as though you were foraging. So eating foods that are super easy for you to digest, lots of leafy greens, lots of roots and tubers, lots of good protein. And then I, I create a situation situation where your body has to use its own fat as fuel. Mm -hmm. And that's a situation where your body is feasting to a certain extent, but it's feasting on fat instead of feasting on copious amounts of processed food. Mm. So I give the body a little bit of a jungle gym. And once the body kind of has that big aha moment where it swings from the the feasting to foraging and back and forth, Mm -hmm. you'll never need to see me again. Mm. And I'll tell you something funny. I've got photos I can, I can share on, we'll we'll figure out some way to share them. But if you could see the photo of me um, running my first half marathon six months after delivering my first child, when I was definitely overtrained, had not lost any of the baby weight. It was very, very frustrated. This is before I became a coach and before I, I got on the LA plan. And then see the photo of me six months after um, uh, after my third child was born, after I'd been working with Ellie. And you can see the difference. I wasn't burning any fat. I was storing a lot of fat because I was overtrained, um, even though the yeah, the eating, I wouldn't say I ate poorly. I would say I ate healthy, but I was definitely not eating according to the LA standards. Mm-hmm. Whereas I was, the reason I was so much smaller in 2015 was I just burned up my own fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> that's one way of putting it. I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it, that's actually really well put because we do want to give the body the impression it can, it can feast. It just needs to be feasting on, on your own say it. I can't Fat ass. Okay. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> See, this is why I'm doing our happy to help. Thank you. <laughs> See, we finish each other's sentences. <laughs> oh, oh, my okay. goodness. Oh, my goodness. So, so word on the street is uh, that you're introducing some exciting programming framed about around what we're talking mm-hmm. about. So tell us yeah. about metabolic reset protocol that's going to be in the Simply Nourish yeah. Like a Mother program. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, it is a three set. Um, MK had this brilliant idea because it does optimize all three of what I just taught, the three things I just spoke of. So giving your body consistency, decreasing stress, and giving the body the jungle gym. Um, My metabolic reset is 
basically a very streamlined protocol where there's no wiggle room for error because I just come in as kind of a professionally trained personal assistant. Mm. Um, and I, I predetermine exactly what each day looks like, but here's the deal. You have to give your body rest. And so the metabolic reset is really custom tailored to anyone who is coming off of a training cycle or in obviously not in the midst of any heavy duty stress. And, um, um, essentially for two weeks straight, we just work on consistency of macronutrient intake and resting the body. Mm. And in doing so, we start to clear the lines of communication and tell your body that it can really only use certain sources of fuel as fuel, namely your own resources. So it's a really cool situation where you have three phases, you rest the body, you give it lots of high quality vitamins, minerals from food. Mm -hmm. And then there's a second phase where we start to restore the metabolism by opening up the, the variety. Cause in phase one, it's, it's pretty streamlined. Like I said, I just basically tee up exactly how each day should look because I don't want you to have to make many decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, cause transition is tough for the body and we want to, we don't want to have to be you know, uh, navigating decision fatigue at the same time you're losing weight. So phase one is very streamlined. Phase two is very much restoring in the sense that you give them a few more uh, choices to make, but they're, they're choices that you're, you're welcome because by phase two, you want to be making right, a few more choices. Right, right. I'll just put it that way <laughs> um, to put it nicely. Yeah. And then, and then phase three is uh, an eat, Another situation where we start giving that body the jungle jump. So we start asking it to use fat as fuel for good chunks of time. And then we also ask it to forage from foods that are super fresh and light. And um, in doing so, we, we've rested the metabolism, we've restored the metabolism, then we've reignited mm. the metabolism. And that's a situation that I don't see ever needing any more manhandling because you kind of teed up in a way that your body trusts you. And that's the most important piece of it all. You're going to ignite the light <laughs> and let it shine. Just don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've got Carrie Perry sitting next to me. <laughs> that was really good, MK. I have to say, that was, yeah. that was good. Uh, <laughs> thank you. So, so we've been watching Sing a lot in our oh, house. Oh, okay, very good. Band. Very good. So, so that is going to be in the Train Like a Mother Club program, yes. Yes, we are doing a. It's a very small. And here's with weight loss. I try not to overgeneralize anything because weight loss is is kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're we're running a very small group of women. I think seven to 10, yeah, seven to 10 women, um, this launching in January and depending on turnout and popularity, we might just run it again. So, um, yeah, it'll run concurrently with the next launch of simply nourish like a mother. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's going to be six weeks long. Okay. Okay. So, and then MK mm -hmm. also, um, you know, so we've been talking about weight loss for a while. So let's, um, talk about if people are choosing to focus on performance, so that, um, can you discuss the goal setting sessions that we're going to be doing and, and how those feature into things? Yes, we are going to be doing those, um, different, uh, there'll be a different flavor every week for the second week of December every, every day and uh -huh. uh, every day, every day and new heart rate, um, or people that are considering a heart rate program for the first time, those will be on Monday. Oh, the 11th, December, December 11th, 11th. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm too pregnant to function. Um, and then the, the, we'll be doing a second heart rate on that Friday, 15th. 15th, mm -hmm, 15th. The 15th yeah um, and that'll be for returning heart rate folks where um every every day we're just uh, the coaches are going to uh talk through the year ahead how to plan it how to identify those stressful times like if you know that you're a triple a hockey mom and then the season uh, when you have to travel is february through march then we probably don't need to be doing hardcore training yeah. in february through march unless you are positive that everywhere you go you're going to be able to get that run in mm -hmm. if you're having to run two smaller kids that probably don't want to be there 
chances are that that might not be the best mm-hmm. setup for success. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk you through your, your year cautiously and carefully and say, you know what? All right. You want to perform and you live in Arizona, then your time to do that is probably the spring. And then <laughs> yeah. in the summer, if you want to, if you're focused on weight loss too, we'll get through the performance cycle and then enter um, the next round of the LE weight loss cycles. And then we'll come out of that and get ready to push again. So sort of how I never want anyone to have two hard training cycles back to back because that's a recipe for burnout no matter how you look yeah. at it. Yeah. And we also need a little bit of space in between um, a weight loss cycle and a hard training cycle. Now you can still run, you can still train. What we can't do is demand huge performance. Like I'm going to shave 10 minutes off my marathon time. I'm coming out of Simply Nurse Like a Mother and I'm going to jump into the outstanding program. Mm-hmm. Your body's been through a lot. Like let's talk about how to maximize your utility here. And it might not be going from hard to harder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's again, it's I don't think you can handle it. It's like, why would you want to? You're not going to get what you want. I want you to have what you want. Let's talk about how to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So as we all look forward to our 2018 goals, whatever they may be, what advice do you two have for success? I would just start off by saying you can have both in, in terms of you can have that killer training cycle and you can have the weight loss. I would just encourage everyone to walk into each with the mecha- with the idea and the mindset that you want to work with your body instead of against it. And so I'm hopeful that I everything I've said today is almost a sense of inspiration and something that's super empowering, knowing that your body isn't trying to you, it, it's not trying to uh, to um, be that rebel, that that child who just isn't listening, because I think that's the sense that I get, right? When you're like, wait a second, I'm running my buns off and they aren't coming off. Um, <laughs> and they're still there. They're I'm running it off there. and they're still there. Yeah, the body wants to work with you. So every time I've probably sounded like a broken record player today saying it wants to protect you, it wants to protect you, but it truly does. So I'd say as everyone enters into their 2018 goals, just start to have this split mindset okay, this section of the year, I'm going to be killing it with the nutrition that I'm going to pair with my training. And this time of year, I'm going to rest and renew and reignite the metabolism. And then you can have your cake and eat it too. I think my big perhaps, thing. perhaps literally, maybe literally, perhaps or literally, exactly. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think my biggest one is that ego really is the enemy. Ego and pride have never helped people make good choices. Um, and I would want, and it's easy to get caught up in the fervor of, I'm going to do this next year and I'm super ambitious and I'm a type A personality and I'm going to, going to, going to, going to, going to, going to, I will, I will, I will. (laughs) And then come up with this huge list, get really, and not think about, okay, training for a marathon. What you've actually put on your to-do list is 20 hours a week of running plus showers, plus travel, plus, 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 plus. And it adds up really quickly. And then you're demanding more of yourself because you've bitten off more than you realized you were trying to chew. Um, and I really just, I encourage you don't, don't hear what we're saying and think, well, I don't want to train with either one of them. They say I can't lose weight and can't get faster. Yes, you can. We just have to be very strategic about how we do it. And Ellie and I, I like, so I'm, I, she is yin to my very profane yang and we are all about results. (laughs) Don't be fooled by when we're, when, when we're trying to temper expectations, we're not saying no, we're saying, Oh, Nellie. Oh, no. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it is a delight talking with you ladies. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for thank having you. us. And thank you for holding me up. We're sharing a, a headset because we had some technical difficulties because I'm again, I'm too pregnant to function and this is totally my fault. So I've been sitting on my 190 pound body on Ellie's little bitty lap. I'm sharing I, know, I, th- I, think, I think we have to make sure that the blood gets back to Ellie's legs before she stands up otherwise she'll crumple to the ground. <laughs> It's a good thing we got a team of massage therapists outside waiting for you. Yeah. Right, 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 right. So, so I will see you ladies soon in Denver. I hope so. And I just got to say, man, I love both of you so much. Oh. A jungle gym? A jungle gym? Where did you come up with that? Oh, my God. A jungle gym and tubers. I'm going to add in fireworks. Tubers. I love the tuber call. Yeah. And fireworks going to be playing through my head while I go get on a jungle gym for the rest of this day. Yay. All right, ladies. I will see you. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right. Well, let's move from Ellie and MK over to Dimity in the Tlam Club. See what is going on over there. 
Hello, hello, everybody. It's Dimity here with your Train Like a Mother Club Corner. I am going to keep the DJ self-talk minimal because I want to head to a race report. It's an ultra race report, so it's kind of long because they have a long way to go. It is um, from our ultra program, our first year of the ultra program, which was crazy successful. And everybody had, not everyone had a great race. We had some injuries and some people needing to drop out for different reasons. But the people that were able to make it to the starting and finish line awesome times. Here's here's one that is an example. This is from um, Kathy who ran, um, she was our final ultra runner for 2017 and she ran the North Face 50k in San Francisco uh, right before Thanksgiving. It says, what a joy to be the caboose of the Bammer Ultra Race Reports. The day started at 4 a.m. so I could get up, get ready, try to eat a little and then get to the 5 a.m. shuttle. The bus left at 5.10 and we were at the start by 5.20 for a race that began at seven. Of the entire day, this was my only major complaint. It was wet, cold, pitch dark, and I was on my feet for over an hour and a half before even starting the crossing the starting line. But as more and more people arrived, I was able to chat with other runners and get excited. Still, it wasn't until mile three that my toes thawed and I could feel them again. My plan was to run through the first two aid stations and not stop until aid station three. I had plenty of water and fuel, and I didn't need anything in those first few miles. The third aid station was at the top of a very long climb, and when I finally got there, I was craving all the salt. Sadly, they ran out of potato chips at every single aid station, but I found out that vegetable broth worked well, and to my utter surprise, so did Mountain Dew. Not something I would ever touch in real life, but it was heavenly during the race. I'd also packed in a Ziploc baggie to carry extra food, and I stuffed sliced oranges into it. Those were wonderful. I was smart and fueled well and early so that as the day wore on and putting anything into my stomach became less and less appealing, I was good. The weather was spectacular with no fog to spoil the views, cool breezes, and only a few mucky spots. Now, about those hills. I live in Colorado and trained hard for this event. Lots of elevation gain, tons of climbing, and lots of running downhill. But the hills in this race, specifically the downhills, are unreal. After stopping at aid station three, we descended into the forest and halfway down, my IT bands on the outside of both knees began to complain. This was about mile 13, and it was concerning because that had never happened during any of my training runs. At the bottom of my descent, they were starting to scream. I made a mental note of what Coach Stephanie had told us, which is that when you're in a bad place, just take some deep breaths and work through it because you can come out on the other side. The miles through Muir words were magical. I can't begin to put into words how beautiful it was. It was also technical with rocks and tree roots, so I had to force my eyes to stay on the trail so I didn't fall. It was more climbing and more descending, and I found I could run down gingerly and slowly. There was also tons of stairs, and those hurt. That slowed me down. Reaching aid station four, mile 17.7 was rough. My knees were hurting. I was slower than I wanted to be, and I still had so far to go. Mentally, it was tough. There were some flat stretches that I attacked and I found I could run fairly well, which gave me hope. I kept checking in with my body, telling myself I was fine and just put one foot in front of the other. Aid station six was fantastic because at that point I was over 23 miles in. My husband was able to meet me there and I knew I had less than 10 miles to go. We had just finished a beast of a hill that stretched forever, so I was elated to have conquered that. Time-wise, I also knew that even if I walked the rest of the way, I could probably make the cutoff and it boosted me to keep on running. Another big hill to get to mile 26 in the final aid station. The very best words in the world came from one of the workers there. As soon as you go around the next bend, you'll see the Golden Gate Bridge. I've never been so happy to see any kind of landmark in my life. We still had a runner ways to reach the bridge, but just being able to see it helps me keep going. On the final descent to the bridge, and then the cruel, cruel finish of running across the bridge on concrete while waving around tourists and groups of people. You could have convinced me that that bridge was 30 miles long. It took forever to get across. My feet were screaming. Crossing the finish line with a smile on my face is the best testimony I can give to this training plan. I am still in shock that I did it. 32.4 miles. And I think it's a very good sign that I want to do another one. Every single person was friendly and encouraging, and it felt like we are all in it together, regardless of time or ability. That's my kind of event. Thank you. To me, Dimity, <laughs> and Coach Stephanie Violet. Much more thanks to Stephanie Violet um, for all of your time and hard work. And I thank each and every one of you for your unwavering support and joy. I am so proud of us, Kathy wrote in capital letters. Um, and so I know that was kind of long. And 
a little truthful, right? Ultras are not going to be um, beautiful and joyful every second. But I am so proud of us. I am so proud of you, Kathy. Um, I loved this first ultra group. And um, if it is something that you are considering, um, definitely come to the Train Like a Mother webinar with Coach Stephanie. Um, the details are on the front of the trainlikeamother.club page. And um, yeah, we'll see you next week. Happy almost December. We might be in December at this point. But anyway, happy everything. Bye. All right, all right, all right. It is time to tell you some gift ideas from the Mother Runner store. And also I have some big news to share, but I'm going to make you listen to this part about the Mother Runner store first. Um, like I'm going to suggest the AMR sweatshirt. It's a mere 35 bucks. It's the coziest sweatshirt on earth. We have a variety of limited edition momentum jewelry shoe tags and wrap bracelets with prices starting at just 10 bucks. They're awesome gift ideas for like women in your running club, your BRF, you know, or even kids on cross country. We oftentimes at Expos have kids want to buy the shoe tags. We got loads of $20 hats. We have amazing long sleeve tech tees for just 40 bucks, um, including a new one that's super pretty. It says another mother runner on it. So whether you buy it for yourself, your friends, your sister, your mother, you know, share the link with your loved ones and have them buy it for you, whatever the case, um, head on over to motherrunnerstore.com. Again, that is motherrunnerstore.com. And now some really exciting news to share. The Another Mother Runner podcast has its first spinoff show. I like to think of it as kind of the Laverne and Shirley to our happy days, if you're old enough to remember that a <laughs> what I'm referring to. Our very own Ellison Wiest is debuting a new bi-weekly podcast called The Book Bully, and that's happening next week on Tuesday, December 5th. It'll appear in the AMR feed. Ellison kicks off the podcast with a chat with yours truly as we chat books, books, and more books. The seed of the Book Bully podcast was a comment by our very own Alex Ward, who's sitting right here next to me. So we are all very excited for the show to debut. Our podcast is a member of the ACAST Network, and our show today was produced in Portland, Oregon by Alex Ward from Sounds Like Pictures. Many happy miles. Happy miles.